Welcome to the Intercut Awards, the yearly show going over the best craftspeople, actors, and films that you can't cut away from. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, the Diane Warren of betting on the Oscars, it's Arturo Zarita. I wish at least uh, all those nominations coming (laughs) in, but uh, while the Oscars like to nominate a lot of different movies, and you know, throughout the year, there's a dozen and dozens of awards, we figured, why not add our own to the mix, you know? Why not spice it up and have our own little categories, have our maybe off-kilter nominees that we may have uh, and bringing it together to see what gets the Intercuity Award. What is What are the yeah. best stunts of the year that don't get honored, you mm. know? What, what are those performances that go underseen but really are some yeah. must-watches that, that should be on your radar? So uh, we've been working on this list. We've, we've combed through every single movie. Y'all know we go to festivals. We stream practically from every service. Mm-hmm. We go to the craziest theaters. We're watching theaters. more movies than an Academy member. <laughs> combined sometimes but yeah we have a lot of picks to come to you and hopefully uh we're able to put something on your radar that could become your next must watch exactly we figure that it, there's enough complaining about the oscars out there we're gonna do something about it we're, yeah. we're giving your own spin on a year-end awards talking through all the different feats in cinema that stood out to us and made it onto our must watches for the year 2021 so we've got a bunch of categories to get through here and a, a lot of people and fil- and films to talk about what better way to start it off with the short films, the best achievements in movies, 40 minutes or less, uh, often shunted category that uh, did not make it to the Oscars broadcast this year. But Damn. we try to talk about the short films when we get a chance to because there's so many great ones uh, that pop up from festivals to now sp- popping up on a lot of streaming services too. Beautiful. HBO Max doing a pretty great job of uh, giving you some Oscar contenders, Netflix as well. Art, why don't you kick us off with your must-watch short films of 2021? For my top five short films of 2021, I begin with Your Dead Helene, the horror comedy about Maxine living with the ghost of his girlfriend who's decided she doesn't want to break up with him. A high recommendation that I have if you're looking for something that's a little bit off-kiltered. Uh, some of the other ones that I have would be Navozande the Musician, which is what I'm still calling it, a beautifully drawn animated short about two lovers separated for decades until he's called upon to perform at a castle. A beautiful film that I believe you could stream over on Paramount at the moment. Then there's Coded, another one over on Paramount, that's a short doc about illustrator J.C. Leyendecker who excelled at marketing ads but mastered those hidden messages he was putting in his drawings. A beautiful, beautiful documentary that uh, I loved when we caught back at the festivals, and now you can stream it at home. But my number two, I was almost getting hyped there because it is my number one from a recent festival, is Censor of Dreams, a fantasy, Mm. horror, mystery, drama of a short that follows a team of censors responsible for shaping the memories of Yoko and making sure that things don't get turned inside out. My number one, Zach, is actually a movie, a little short film that I saw at TIFF years ago. And people have been asking me, when is this coming out? And finally, Exam is out on YouTube. A drama thriller following a teen who gets involved with a package delivery that goes Mm. completely wrong. Those are my top five picks for the best shorts of 2021. I remember you telling me about Exam on on Young Street or something like that. You know, yeah, finally out there. My best short films from 2021 start with When We Were Bullies, the recently Oscar-nominated short film. Kind of a a trip through memory lane, but pieced together with some uh, 
some animations. It's very, very nicely done. Uh, the musician also on my list, beautiful. like yours, a beautiful short film. Robin, Robin, I kind of liked this latest Ardman adventure. It's got a very sketchy kind of style, not quite like the claymation you're used to from them, but very charming and a good one for young children. I also could not forget about the short film The Criminals, uh, about a young couple's yes! a, a attempted stay at a hotel. It, it's It's... Really, really uh, great filmmaking. Very, very tense in a short package. But my number one is one that made your list as well. It is Coded, The Hidden Love of J.C. Nice. Lane Decker, a film that made it to the Oscars shortlist, and I was disappointed that it didn't make it any further than that. Uh, a lot of really cool picks on both of our lists. I'm glad you had The Criminals, man. That's literally my next up. It would have been number six. If we were just doing a whole shorts uh, award ceremony, I'm sure that would have made it. And there was a bunch of other ones. I know you liked Raspberry of last year. Nice little cute short. Uh, B2 was a really good one. There's just so many short films that uh, I'm really happy that the uh, streaming services have been able to be, you know, a way for people to, to catch them through YouTube, through, you know, a lot of these different avenues because they end up becoming a way to catch filmmakers before they make that big feature. Catching mm-hmm. Whiplash before it becomes that Oscar-winning movie. Catching yeah, Shiva no. Baby before it becomes the Twitter sensation it is. So, you know, I love short films, so I'm glad that we get yeah. to actually have them on our broadcast. <laughs> I think uh, probably Coded would be the one that we're, we're closest to both awarding. Easily. So. I think we can give the Intercut Award for Best Short of 2021, Must Watch Short of 2021, to Coded. Let's get into the Best Visual Effects, and I'll start with my list. I've got The Green Knight, not a film that's very effects forward, but uses it in uh, select places effectively. Number four on my list is The Power of the Dog, one of those films where you might not even recognize visual effects are going on, but they published a really awesome effects reel. Uh, That that dog in the hills did not get there by accident. (laughs) Uh, Number three, I have no time to die. I think when these action blockbusters are able to not be so effects forward, it helps, helps create the immersion. So it may not be the thing that you're thinking about with no time to die, but it works well. Dune. Obviously, the big technical achievement of the year, uh, a really effective use of CGI where it doesn't feel quite so artificial as it does in a lot of big uh, blockbuster films. But the number one has got to be Godzilla versus Kong, the only film on this list that simply would not work without that visual effects. Easily. Really good picks, Zach. Uh, let's see how many of us match because I think we we just have things in a little bit of a different order sometimes. But I have a cool. couple of surprises as well. My top visual effects for 2021 would begin with The Suicide Squad. The one time it's going to appear on this list because that VFX mm. team brought a real life action Live action Patrick to life, and I thought it was great. It's a good one. James Gunn, when it comes to comic book movies, he knows how to literally make a comic book movie pop out of the pages onto the screen. Uh, Willy's Wonderland, man. The creepy mix of practical effects. These practical puppets and digital demons. uh, They spoke when Nick Cage did it for that entire movie, and I absolutely love the effects in that movie. I agreed with you. On the Green Knight, I actually think it's kind of like Power of the Dog in that sense, where you don't realize there is so many effects in this movie, and they knock it out of the park. Every element, water, fire, earth, there's giants walking around this movie, but there's this whole featurette that I would highly recommend on the titles. Insane how they were integrating right. the titles into the environment, and Ooh. I think created one of the most immersive cinematic experience of last year. 
Best title design might need to be another future Intercut Award. It's going to have uh, to be, not yeah. this year. <laughs> uh, but the way that they were able to uh, create those with the VFX was fantastic. My top two, Dune. Yeah. My number one, Godzilla versus Kong. Not just the biggest, not just the loudest, but the absolute best VFX of last year. They were the stars. It, it, so much so that I can't wait for the next one because just, just cut the humans. Keep, keep the real stars in the movie. Let them shine. So I think uh, we had some very interesting VFX picks for this year because after 2020, after 2021, I feel like we're finally getting all the blockbusters back. We're getting all that work mm-hmm. to be seen on the big screen. And I'm really happy that I, for a majority of these, even when they had the day and date releases, we're able to have that theatrical run and still be able to make um, its money there. I know a lot of Warner Bros. movies that we have, so they, mm-hmm. they, they did not go cheap this year. Absolutely not. But, you know, I think... The commonality on our list is about effective use of Mm -hmm. visual effects, not necessarily lots of use of the effects. Uh, And the most effective has got to be Godzilla versus Kong. So um, that's got to be our must-watch visual effects pick from 2021. Team Godzilla. All right, take me through your selections for best sound from 2021. Sound is a category that we ourselves are also kind of combining, but it truly is a movie that when we get screeners and they're still works in progress, it's some of the most fascinating stuff because it really makes you appreciate the mixing and the editing to a lot of these features. Uh, One of my first ones is a musical that is maybe not as beautifully choreographed as other movies, uh, but it doesn't have that faulty ADR that some others may have. What it does have is some beautiful mixing that happens in pool sequences. There is a journey that the matriarch goes through in a train tunnel. And it's what one part that particularly always sticks out to me is when a song is being performed in an empty apartment and the way the mixing switches from room to room. Absolutely beautiful. The Power of the Dog. A movie that uses its sound design to taunt another character when both actors <laughs> weren't even in the same room. Power of the Dog easily has some of the best sound design dune incredible the killing of two lovers i've been calling this the marriage story in utah that has combined its sound design Mm. with its score there is a featurette you can search up search up the movie it's streaming on hulu it takes the everyday sounds these mundane sounds that these people deal with and creates an ambiance that just it stuck with me for the entire time, and you're going to be seeing this movie a couple of times. But the one time that you're going to see this number one pick, it's because it excelled at it. Last night in Soho took that Wizard of Oz approach where they went from black and white to color, and he did that with sound. Having the entire intro of the movie be in mono, and then when you enter the 70s, it becomes surround sound. I have seen this in Dolby. I was able to see a 35 millimeter cut. I now own the digital and able to stream it. Uh, in my house, it is just some of the best sound mixing. I am perplexed it did not get more honors uh, throughout award season, but it is my number one pick for sound. My picks for the must watch, or I guess we could call it must listen must to listens. sound of 2021. Uh, I got the D- Disciple first on my li- or list because that nice. is a really like hypnotic, mesmerizing soundscape, the way that the sitar is constantly kind of uh, in the background of so many scenes in the movie, just guides you through it in this really, really uh, effective way. 
Uh, I also have Last Night in Soho on my list here because that's a movie that is very enveloping and, and like you say, it gives you atmosphere with yep. its sound. Uh, I have Come On, Come On on my list as well. To, talking about soundscapes, I think the way that the film sort of goes through all these pre-recorded interviews and audio clips and it kind of creates this very uh, hypnotic feel to it too. So I, I really liked what was going on sound-wise in that. Uh, my one sort of more musical pick on the list is West Side Story. The, the score it has is, is so good and so beautiful and uh, just the live, live recording of the music too is so, so great. Um, but you know, the film that really rocked me when I saw it in the theater, pounded my eardrums Literally. in the, the best way possible, uh, is, of course, Dune, which I have at the top of my list. Uh, I'm, a, I'm really glad that you put some interesting films on your list. I had I completely forgot to put The Killing of Two Lovers here. That is a great choice. But I feel like it's either Last Night in Soho or Dune for our Intercut Award here. Um, I, I'm just happy to honor the editing mix that uh, Edgar Wright's doing every single year. He's a man who every single actor who works with him say mm-hmm. says that he works on beat. Like, not just edits on beat. He is directing on beat. Yeah. But, look, I had to travel for Dune. And it wasn't just for the screen size, man. It was also that IMAX mixing that was just absolutely incredible. You know I could go either way with this. I also really like your pick for The Disciple because I know Johnny Greenwood's going to appear multiple times on this list. And that's technically, to a degree, a surprise Johnny Greenwood appearance considering his behind-the-scenes work on that movie. Talented people are obviously going to be showing up a lot of places on this list, so we'll get into Johnny Greenwood later. Uh, But yeah, I think we're going to go with our must-listen of 2021 for best sound for Dune. Boom. Just going to sweep it all. (laughs) Dune sweep. Calling it now. (laughs) We wanted to put together a Best Picture-themed feast for our 2022 Oscars party. First, we had to divide up the 10 films into a menu of two appetizers, three drinks, two main courses, and three desserts. First up, we're going with Don't Look Up-inspired Cometpolitans, a cosmopolitan with a big comet-style ice cube and pop rocks along the rim. Delicious. Next is our Dune-inspired cocktail. We're making like the settlers of Arrakis and drinking sweat. Then we'll mix our Picari sweat with some spiced rum. This one turned out way better than I expected. The last drink is the King Richard, which, I don't know, sounds like a cocktail to me? We mix Crown Royale with Gatorade to stay on the sports theme, and it tastes a little like something you might mix at a college frat party. Not the best. Our first appetizer is for Power of the Dog, which is pretty easy to pun off of, so we're tossing some pigs in a blanket in the oven and calling these the Power of the Mini Dogs. Next up, I wanted to make some mini lobster rolls inspired by Coda, but I uh, decided ordering it would be just as good. Our first main course, of course, is licorice pizza. So in order to get that sweetness, we're going to cook some anise into the pizza sauce. It may not be as good as the pie from Prince Street Pizza, but I'll happily reuse their pizza box. Then we're doing a headless chicken prepared by the geek, inspired by Nightmare Alley, which we're slow cooking and broiling, although I probably could have used some veggies for the presentation. Lastly, we have three desserts. Drive my caramel cookies. Homemade, thank you. Milky Ways from Valentina's Bodega and West Side Story. Homemade, thank you. Then finishing things off with a Belfast-inspired Irish whiskey float topped off with Ben & Jerry's whiskey mix. And if all that prep sounds like too much work for your best picture feast, you could always just grab some KFC like Kristen does in Spencer. 
My picks were the best song from a film from 2021. I had a little bit of trouble filling this one out. I don't know if you did. It's crazy. If you dove deeper than I did. Um, I went with Somehow You Do from Four Good Days, that Diane Warren written one. You know, it's it's cla- Diane Warren is classic. She gets nominated a lot for a reason. It's not going to blow you away, but it's all right. Um, I have We Don't Talk About Bruno, did the song that Disney probably really wishes they had run for Best Wishes Original they Song. Talked they, about, might, yeah. they might have one more Oscar right now than they do, but uh, less, it does make our list, or at least mine. I have No Time to Die from No Time to Die. I thought it's a really effective Bond theme, kind of in the sleepier mold, but you know, Billie Eilish kills that kind of song, so I, I, I like that one a lot. I did like Be Alive from uh, King Richard, the Beyonce one. Um, it, it, I don't know. It just works for me. I, I liked her performance of it at the Oscars as well. I've got that Beautiful. on my list here. But really the only song that stood out to me from films from 2021 is So May We Start from Annette. Uh, not just because it's an earworm that you end up humming on your way out of the movie, but because it's integrated into the film so well and is so integral to your experience of it, I think it's easily my choice for best song from 2021. Beautiful picks. Uh, yeah, I have I have a lot that are very similar that we may even come to see that uh, we may have a tie in this one, but Zach, All my right. top five would begin with the Shang-Chi album, uh, specifically Fire in the Sky by Anderson Pac. Man just Ooh. did a sweep Ooh. at the Grammys, and he had one of the lead singles for the Shang-Chi movie and I've just been loving what Marvel does because uh, obviously we know that Black Panther album fantastic this one was done by 88 Rising fantastic mm. Marvel keep doing that because the one thing you're definitely killing is yeah. the albums when you allow the artists to do what they got to do Fire in the Sky by Anderson Pac that one. Oh, fantastic dude uh, my next one which I know may be in contention for some people, but I just I just talked to the producers and they said, yeah, we're good to go. That funny feeling from Bo Burnham's Inside. There are so many songs in this thing. Consider it a TV special. Consider it a comedy special, a variety. Consider it a movie, which some people have put on their best of. I'm putting the music on my top list because that funny feeling has been a song that I've returned to so many times. Sometimes it just finds me, which is so weird when the algorithm mm-hmm. just knows I need to listen to it, considering what the song's about. A great special uh, and one of my favorite songs of last year. Yeah, I did not realize we were counting this. Otherwise, my top five might be five Bo Burns Five Bo Burns. <laughs> That's, and that's why it's a good thing that Zach didn't put it on there so we could have a more <laughs> variety right here. But we do have some similar ones. And these next ones in Now May We Start, you know I'm not even oozing for a net, bro. Mm-hmm. I got to give respect where respect is due. This is the new closing time. Inversed. Now May We Start <laughs> should have been the movie that – should have been the song, sorry, that opened up the Oscars. It did not. But it is – it's yeah. a jingle you can't Come get on. out of your head. And the way it's Come choreographed, on. bro. It's the best Sparks movie from last year, and they had our own Sparks movie. Uh, my next one would be No Time to Die from, you guessed it, No Time to Die. Billie Eilish pretty much got every award for this song, and you know, it's really hard to not have a good Bond song. Every single one that they've done, especially from the Craig Bonds down to right mm-hmm. from the beginning, man. I was listening to everything leading up, and this one, it, it stands. It's able to be a Bond song while also still remaining uh, being a Billie Eilish song, so a fantastic one. My number one, I, I forgot about Bruno. I love Bruno, but those Ruguitas, man, it is probably one of the most beautiful songs yeah. uh, 
written by Lin Manuel, what it represents. Um, I really like uh, Sebastian Yara's performance of it. I think he has a beautiful voice, uh, and, and it's really stuck out to me. And I love that they even recorded it in both languages, and both are played in the movie. So those would be my top five. Very cool. I'm, of course, happy that you put Bo Burnham in there. So I guess shout out to All Eyes on Me and shout out to Welcome to the Internet as well. Is that your uh, one? But phew, uh, it's so hard to pick one, man. I, I I like that funny feeling a lot, too. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Um, it, is our collective number one? So may we start? Or is It's kind is of a tie. That- we have a one and a three and then a one and a three to a degree. But uh how would you rank the idea of having I have no time at two, you have it at three. You have yeah. so may we start at one, I have it at three. So I guess so may we start is the winner. Just by a hair? Just by a hair. But- I thought we were gonna have a tie over here. It wasn't playing. I did my math wrong. <laughs> All right, so I don't think Annette's going to win a whole lot else, but it gets best song at least from 2021. Take me through your nominees for the must-listen-to score, original score from 2021. My original scores for 2021 is a variety of scores that really, I feel, almost use the environments of the movie to, to bring things to life. For The Heart of They Fall, James Samuel's score, where he included the mm. gunslinging. I never <laughs> thought that would happen in a, in a Western, but nonetheless... It invested me in the movie. I, I laughed a little bit with it, but I was really, I was really on board with it, especially when it got integrated into the soundtrack. Uh, ben Lovett's score for the Night House. This is a movie where Rebecca Hall's character enters an inverted environment, and what he does with the score is actually inverted alongside with her journey. A beautiful, haunting score. Check that one out if you can. Then we got a two for man. Johnny Greenwood versus Johnny Greenwood. At number three would be a score for Power of the Dog, where he he really gets the tension of the West. But mm. for Spencer, he really gets the horrors of living with royalty. <laughs> Johnny Greenwood just really knocked it out of the park this year. But my number one is Hans Zimmer's Dune. Yeah, man. He, the man who invents instruments. Yes, sir. <laughs> I respect it. My nominees for best original score, I'm going with Daniel Hart for his uh, atmospheric haunting work from The Green Knight. That stuck with me. I also have Hans Zimmer on my list, but he's a little bit lower for his work in Dune. Uh, I have Alexandre Desplat for The French Dispatch, just that very bouncy staccato score. That's good. uh, Is stuck in my head. I like that one a lot. But I've given 
my number two and number one slots, both the Johnny Greenwood. Beautiful. I have Spencer, and then I have Power of the Dog. Uh, nobody better to call on when you need some uncomfortable tension-building music. And, man, the Power of the Dog score is just just so, so good. It brings me back to his work in There Will Be Blood. I feel like there's a, a lot of similar, similarities with those off-kilter strings, but it's just it's so cool it sounds so good i mean we got a johnny greenwood two for here obviously he's the winner but i think surprisingly spencer edges out just a little bit but hey at the intercuities we're awarding the man himself for some of the killer stuff that he's done be it spencer be it power of the dog i don't know what you obviously you would put power of the dog first i still have spencer just a little bit more surprisingly but i'm sure with a rewatch power is going to go even higher but yeah, I mean, that Spencer score is haunting and, and beautiful. So it's definitely a award-worthy uh, score. And it's our must-listen-to from 2021. What's going on, Intercut Podcast? I'm in the middle of a four-day vacation. So I'm doing this while in traffic. If it looks like it's your dad trying to FaceTime you, it's because I'm filming from the back of my iPhone 7 camera because that's what I got right now. So Zach hit me up, and he was like, hey, man, You want to talk about your favorite movie of the year while relating it to a category? So I said, of course, let me promote Nine Days, the best movie of the year. Zach would agree. And in terms of what category I think Nine Days blows every other movie from last year out of the water on, it's score. It's the best score of any movie in the past two years, in my opinion. Maybe three, maybe four. I don't know. Uh, Antonio Pinto, I guess he's a no-name guy, but he just knocked it out of the park i mean i listen to that score probably once every two days if i'm ever in a writing mood if i'm ever in a sad mood if i'm ever in a happy mood i'm throwing on rebirth from antonio pinto's score of nine days zach's favorite film of the year i hope you guys are enjoying these intercut awards and i'm glad i could be a part even if it's the most unprofessional video i've ever submitted for anything so thank you guys Let's talk about Best Production Design. My nominees are Steve Sacklad from Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. Not necessarily what I think most people would consider in production design, but the 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 brightly colored resort sets and all, all the different... Uh, props they're going through in this comedy are so essential to giving you the vibe that it it's going for. And I think it's ex- excellent work here. I also have Jade Healy from The Green Knight, which has this nice. really awesome like kind of stripped down medieval look and some of the some of the designs in that movie are just so striking. The colors are so cool. Uh, Patrice Vermette from Dune, just a, an epic, large-scale vision of a desert planet. Amazing stuff. Adam Stockhausen for the French Dispatch. Hard to beat uh, Wes Anderson at that game, Can't. but you know every single shot is just... Uh, it, it feels like a whole movie in itself be- with the detail they put into it. Though, despite that, I have Stéphane Deschamps from The Tragedy of Macbeth at the number one spot because those sets are gorgeous. There are so many times where you could pause that film and it looks like a watercolor painting or Just something. Just print it. Exactly. Uh, it, it, it's so unique in its design, too. I, I'm so, I thought it was really, really remarkable work. Fantastic picks, dude. Uh, I, you know what? I'm messed with that Barb and Star pick. I agree with you right there. We need more comedies getting respected in technical awards yes. just, just around the board. 
I have no comedies that I'm respecting across the board in my five, but I have some of my favorites of the year. Uh, for production design, I begin with The Night House. They actually carved in the being of the nothing that she's seeing while she's being haunted. Of course, there's a beautiful mix of VFX, but the idea of forming the set around it really puts you in there in her shoes considering... That is, that's not fake. They actually have this mold carved into the hallways that she's being uh, followed along there. So, uh, the night house for its production design. I'm with you, man. The tragedy of Macbeth. The production design speaks for itself, but the way it goes hand in hand with the way they were able to light this thing, I think it's the mm. perfect COVID movie. I know I don't want to reduce it to that, but everyone else just looks it's bad considering what they were able to do with this set right here the tragedy of macbeth is outstanding dude the green knight the green knight it built the round table from scratch Mm -hmm. it built castles cottages chapels for scenes that were only going to be there for like five minutes in the movie some of the production design uh vfx reels that they did for this film is stuff that should be studied for years to come and this all comes from lowry who has done a fantastic job picking up a crew who ever since he did one disney film he's like hey i know how to do one for them one for me and he's been doing a couple for himself he knocked it out of the park with the green knight and it is some of the best production design of the year i don't think you could ever beat though wes anderson and his crew the French dispatch is just impeccable from the miniatures to the vignettes. They created 130 sets for this world. Naming it or, or going with the idea that it's meant to capture the feelings of these places as you're going through every single one of the uh, vignettes of this newspaper company. French dispatch. Nobody does it better. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's really hard to argue with... Uh, Wes Anderson in any I production design aspect, and I, I'm very happy for him to to take this prize here. Hope he enjoys it. <laughs> All right, take me through your nominees for the must-watch makeup and hairstyling from 2021. My best makeup and hairstyling begins with a very off-kilter movie, a little gem that we saw at Fantasia a while ago called Fried Berry. It's about uh, a renowned extra, like literally a renowned extra from Hollywood who finally gets his leading role as uh, aliens probed his body and take it out for a joyride. I thought the makeup and hairstyling in this was absolutely fantastic and, and it's really effective for this journey that they take you on with this dude. It's crazy. Uh, my next one would be the eyes of Tammy Faye. Uh, makeup that was so effective mm-hmm. it permanently scarred her face and it's so good i guess she's still wearing it because she looks completely fine uh candy man <laughs> would be my number three pick obviously nothing's ever going to compare to the original in my opinion i mean the dude had bees in his mouth but yahya's performance in this and the transformation that he goes through i thought oh yeah perfectly matches the thematic elements of what's going on in the movie it's one of my favorite horrors of last year and a lot of that comes from the body horror that they were able to display And number two, though, is another horror film called Gaia. It has some beautiful designs in the forest and, you know, the separation of the rangers that go into this forest compared to the people who are living there. But they practically brought The Last of Us Clickers to life. I don't know if that's legal. I don't know if it's not, but it's streaming on Hulu. It is out there. Go watch it because it is some of the best makeup and just crazy designs that they were able to put on these actors to be able to haunt them in the woods gaia some of the best makeup that you're going to see from last year but nothing's going to top titan from vincent Mm. the father and everything that they did to his body to everything they did to adrian from her face down to her toes 
Teton easily, without a doubt, takes my pick for the best makeup and hairstyling of last year. A lot of really good picks there. I'm glad I'm glad that you brought up Teton. That's one that I did not have on my list. Let me get into my picks for best makeup and hairstyling. I have at the bottom No Time to Die. You know, Rami Malik, of course, has the the haunting scars all over his face, but I think it's more than that too. Uh and then I have uh The Eyes for Tammy Faye at number four. Uh obviously Oscar winning work now, but you know really gives you the progression of not just Tammy Faye, but of uh her husband, uh, played mm-hmm. by Andrew Garfield, too. But really good, uh, yeah. And, and, and through the aging as well. I have Dune above both of them. The design of Baron Harkonnen as well as just the, the look that they give to all these different uh, characters, I think, really helps transport you to Arrakis. Uh, I put Cruella at number two. A lot of very uh, stylish designs and uh, memorable hair... hair uh, memorable hair pieces, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of really great stuff there. But the makeup and hairstyling that actually stood out to me is a lot more subtle work okay. than I think you normally find in this category. I'm going with the worst person in the world. From Solid. moments From moments in the beginning that... You know, even if it's subtle moments where she's changing her hair color or, or cutting her bangs or something, and as a way of telling you the p- passage in time and that she's going through a reinvention, it's very effective character work. There's also a moment where she kind of is in a fat suit during that whole shroom sequence. And, you know, stuff like that needs to needs to work for the movie to work. So it's, it's the makeup and hairstyling that did the most to... Uh, accentuate the storytelling for me. So that's why I give it my number one spot here. Damn. So this may be one of those where I see what you were saying in terms of nominating something that may be a little off kilter. The Eyes of Tammy Faye would collectively be one that is on our top picks from here. But Mm -hmm. that's that is a great way to break down worst person in the world since it's following her journey and what more of a personal journey than what the actual character does to her own look. Right. That is a beautiful. And you pick. have to come up with those changes too. I think it's it helps sell you on the tra- uh, on the whole journey that she goes through. I agree. So you want to go with that over like Dune or Cruella? Uh, I, I, I mean, w- I also think Titan's a good pick. We could just give them the tie here. I would love to give that a tie because these are two movies that w- you're never going to be nominated for makeup and hairstyling yet do the most instead of just putting makeup. On someone's face. And I, you brought a great point from for Tammy Faye. I actually prefer the makeup on Andrew Garfield and what they were able to do with his face. My right. mom didn't even recognize the man uh, when she was watching the movie. But I, oh, I, would, subtler work. I would love to see a duo of Titan and Worst Person in the World. Two movies that really excelled in using the makeup to not just embody a character, a, a person that you saw on TV, but to actually create a person that you follow along on a journey. Great. So I think we can settle with the worst person in the world and Titan winning for Beautiful. best makeup and hairstyling. And oil changes. <laughs> All right. What are your nominees for the best costume design from 2021? Ooh, we had some really good ones this year. Hopefully we'll have my, my favorite designs. Yanti Yates for The Last Duel. It is crazy to think that they really had these dudes fighting in these outfits at the end (laughs) and some great behind-the-scenes work as they're just bopping each other uh, on that final duel that you see in the movie. Jacqueline Duran's costumes for Spencer, man. Like, not only were they impeccable designs, but after shop, uh, what is it, personal shopper, Stuart just needs to be 
doused with these costumes. It's the way <laughs> she wears them as well, man. Uh, easily, the designs in Spencer. Uh, Malgosia Tursanska for The Green Knight. Not only was she able to create mm. these really uh, cool designs for the, the period piece, but the aim was to make it a vegan set. And they had like coconut leather and they had all of these different materials that they were trying to use in order to create this world. Uh, Really fascinating stuff when it comes to the behind the scenes there. My top two. I think are pretty obvious picks, but they're obvious for a reason. Jenny Beaven for Cruella. She won it for Mad Max. She wasn't even going to take Cruella. She did and ended up making the best part of the movie because without her, the movie is nothing. The outfits in Cruella uh, are are literally an extension of her. She's one of the best costume designers out there um, and without a doubt would have been my number one. If it wasn't for West Side Stories, Paul Tazewell, mm. he did he did a little work on this uh, other musical called Hamilton. And what he does here for West Side Story is incredible. Not only does he go back to the original stage uh, production the same way that um, Stephen himself was doing. I truly believe that in West Side Story, the music and the costumes are telling the story of West Side Story better than the characters are telling you the story of West Side Story. It is a beautiful way to just follow the color coordinations and the type of outfits that they're wearing throughout the movie to really see the personal journeys that the characters are going on. Without a doubt, West Side Story, my number one pick for costume design. My nominees for best costume design are Dune, which I think does underrated work in giving you this... Uh, idea of a distant planet. I mean, just the the suits alone are really cool. Like maybe because it's not as colorful as some other costume work, it doesn't get as much love. But I think it's really really effective. I have Barb and Star go to D- Vista <laughs> Del Mar. Another example of the costuming doing a lot for building the world and these characters. Part part of what's so funny is how kind of buttoned up they these characters are. So really effective work there. I like you think West Side Story really deserves some accolades here. I have it at number three on my my list. Maybe even just for Ariana DeBose's red, uh, sorry, yellow, yellow dress alone. Yeah. But uh, yeah, everything is really effective in that film. I have the Green Knight here at number Beautiful. two. Uh, I, design so cool that I tried to recreate the crown for a <laughs> Halloween costume. <laughs> but I feel like the, the iconic costume work from 2021 is, of course, the Cruella. I mean, it's Easily. basically a Disney film set in the world of Devil Wears Prada. I mean, it, it could win this award for the garbage truck dress alone. Thank so, you. We agree. That's the yeah. best one, right? Absolutely. I mean, it, that it's rarely does a piece of clothing make an entire scene, but that one does. That was dope. Yeah. Uh, so is... Cruella or West Side Story are, are higher collective. It has to be Cruella. Uh, Cruella would yeah. come up on top as your number one, my number two. And like I said, it's I was only inching out for West Side. But hey, shout out to West Side. But you, Jenny Beaven, the GOAT at the moment. Nothing can phase uh, Absolutely. Him. Untouchable. So Jenny Beaven for Cruella wins our must-watch costume award from 2021. What's up, Intercut guys? I was going to say, I honestly think that maybe In the Heights should have probably either got costume design or uh, cinematography. Because the fact in the use of the streets of New York and the costumes, the designs for that film, honestly, probably were way better than West Side Story. Art, do you have your nominees for best casting? 
Yes, for best ensemble casting, I begin with The Power of the Dog, which mm. Campion was able to wrangle together, and I thought they did a fantastic job. Uh, the Cowboys of The Harder They Fall, which had them all shooting their shot. The cast of Shiva Babies, who just brought this uncontention with this claustrophobic space that I thought was just fantastic. It's one of my favorite ones. I feel like we've been shouting out Shiva Baby for years, and I hope we continue to. Uh, but my top two would be the cast of The Killing of Two Lovers. I'm still so surprised how a lot of the movie feels ad-libbed, and every mm-hmm. single line grunts onomatopoeia is scripted. And you have good kid actors. Kid actors who are the director's actors. unbelievable stuff there i really love the way that they were able to cast that family it really makes the movie the same way that mass is all about the performances and it is perplexing to see that the people in this movie did not get nominated Mm. but hey i guess they just have to turn it into a play zach because then it would be sweeping mess my number one pick maybe mass just needs to be at the tonys right my picks for best casting from 2021 start with Petite Maman. Uh, maybe I'm jumping the gun a little bit because this film is only just recently available in the U.S., but the the idea of casting these twins for this role Very nice. is so smart yes, and so effective. I'll leave it at that. I have the power of the dog on my list here, partially because I think it does a really good job of playing kind of into type and against type a little Mm -hmm. bit. I think part of the reason that Benedict Cumberbatch works so well in the role is he's kind of not really a good fit for playing a macho American cowboy. And there's this air of like, he's, he's putting something on. Yeah. Yeah. I have no sudden move, which maybe is a cheat code because Steven Soderbergh just gets anybody he wants to off the bench. But part of what makes that movie magic is when, you know, a new scene happens and like, oh, man, that's Brendan Fraser. And oh, man, that's Kiernan Culkin. Like the the roster on this film is so good. And it's not just stunt casting. Everybody's really effective in their roles. I put Zola at number two great here. Pick. A really great job of catching a bunch of actors who are kind of on the rise. It, it introduced me to Taylor Page, but also really effective use of Coleman Domingo and Nicholas Braun, understanding what makes those two such talented performers. And also, the I guess, the idea of put, uh, putting uh, Riley Keough in that part in the first place is, is pretty hilarious. Uh, but <laughs> we can even get into some of the like extras casting in that film but yes. it is very well cast. Uh, but my, my number one for casting is going to go to Red Rocket. I think Sean Baker is just like on another level when it comes to these uh, the casting of non-actors or unexpected actors. And, and for a guy to look at Simon Rex and be like, I got a whole movie around, I could build around him. I think that says a lot. So Red Rocket for me is at some of the most effective casting from 2021. Bro, I love this. We all had every single pick be different except for the yeah. one power of the dog. Um, yep. But before we, we talk about that one, I just love the variety of stuff that we had here. Just the, the ability to be able to see all the different castings and, and what stood out to us. Yo, that's a, that's a good list of movies right there, man. Yeah, I mean, I think it shows all the different ways in which you can cast effectively, mm-hmm. and like, I it, like, I love the shout out of the director's actual kids in Killing of Two Lovers. It's so crazy! One of those things that helps make it that more intimate and and effective. Um, it's kind of funny that I think we're going to end up going with Power of the Dog, even though that was what number five on your list and four on mine. But 
it still shows how good it is. Yeah, no, that yeah. is it, it is a perfectly cast movie that I mean, it's going to appear in more times as well. But uh, out of all the performances here, I think that also has a lot of our most standout performances from the film as well. Right. So we're going with Power of the Dog for our must watch casting of 2021. I think the Oscar nominee I wanted to see in my wildest dreams was Simon Rex for Sean Baker's Red Rocket. I mean, I think that he did such a good job at portraying this very, very unlikable guy, but in a strangely charming way. Now that might have to do with Sean Baker's script, but I think that the level of commitment that Rex brought to the role was unparalleled and he should have gotten some recognition. My picks in best stunt work slash choreography. I'm starting out with the French Dispatch. Beautiful. Wes Anderson films move like cuckoo clocks. The precision is so crazy to watch. It, it almost feels unreal. Even that one shot of them just putting drinks on the plate. It, mm. It's so precise that you... That's it's good. hard to imagine. So, yeah, I mean, it's not maybe what you would think of in traditional choreography, but it is choreographed. It's stunt work. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of stunt work, I got Bad Trip at number four. Uh, it's kind Let's of in the Jackass it. Forever mold, but they, these are actors putting their bodies on the line and in very public ways, too. Um, I think, you know, for these stunts to play out without people around them necessarily knowing their stunts, Shows to goes to show how effective the stunt work is. I have a number three, The Last Duel. Ridley Scott knows how to direct an epic battle, and it builds and builds to that final moment, and it really does deliver in that battle between Matt Damon and Adam Glad you put it on. It's my number six, so I'm glad you made it on. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Number two, I got No Time to Die. I, I, I think sometimes... The action in these big blockbusters, it either feels like wallpaper or it feels like you're it feels like you're on a roller coaster. And for me, No Time to Die was the latter. It is so, so, uh, so thrilling from its opening moments. That whole sequence with uh, him and Ana de Armas, really, really effective work. <laughs> it, it was the Ana uh, seat on the floor <laughs> with the spin. <laughs> Yep. But my number one choice is West Side Story. Hard to believe when they dumped the original's choreography that it would be here, but it is so effectively done and also accentuated by the camera work. Um, I I just thought it was really brilliant. The America sequence in particular is so beautifully done. So uh, even if if we're taking it beyond the dance choreography, Spielberg just blocks better than all the other directors. So it's not close. That's why I'm happy to put it at my number one here. Not even close. My top five begins with Malignant. Gabriel was played by a contortionist, and that has been uh, something that Juan has gone towards for a lot of his roles. Been giving these people jobs the same way Guillermo does, and I've been loving seeing what he's uh, what he's done with a lot of these um, films in terms of horror because there is a specific long take of Gabriel running backwards and then the scene of him throwing the chair that will stick with me forever. And I love the way that he was able to stage those. Uh, My number four, I know sometimes you couldn't see their knees, Zach, but I love the choreography for 96,000. I thought it's fantastic. Every time that comes on, that was the one bit that I was playing so many times. The fact that last year I was able to see that on the Dolby screen, then come home and play it on HBO Max was crazy. Uh, In the Heights, number three and number two. We got a lot of bus scenes. Buses were not safe last year for several reasons, I guess. But one of them would be because you might get 
punched in the face. Nobody. Bob Odenkirk just killed it in this movie. And the specific uh, choreography done for this sequence I thought was fantastic. Uh, It would be my number one bus scene. But I got to do it as a whole, which is why Shang-Chi is my number two pick. Not Mm. only delivering its own bus scene, but it has several moments. And I've been telling you this. Andy Lee is the new eco he kills it in this movie and he doesn't even show his face there's a lot of beautiful stunt choreography in shang chi uh and i I would highly recommend seeing the behind the scenes because it's one of those movies where seeing it without the effects is even cooler but my number one i agree with you man it is unbeatable west side story people have talked about the uh auditorium scene uh maybe even the be cool scene i just i'm gonna keep it simple that officer krupke scene is matched to perfection there is i don't even want to spoil it there's just some bits that they do while they're locked there in the cell that i i don't know i just love it i catch something new every single time with one of the background dudes doing something it is like i hate the song like the lyrics (laughs) but i love the choreography probably even more than the original i don't think i don't think they can compete with any of the other ones you know like the original be cool choreography is untouched but i really like the mix of the officer krupski here and like you said there is no better blocking than what Spielberg does. Absolutely. Yeah, good shout out for uh, for nobody there. The uh, their stunt work in those films are always really st- strong. I also do do like some sequences in In the Heights a lot. Uh, you mentioned 96,000. I also love the sequence where on the, they're on the side of the building. It's mm-hmm. very cool. My, my problem with, with those films are more cinematography than choreography. Exactly. Tell you the truth. Exactly. That's why they'll never make uh, my cinematography list. But I respect yeah. the stuff. And Shang-Chi's a really good pick here. I like I thought about it and then I remembered like it, there's so much visual effects in the film that I think it undermines how good some of the stunt work actually is. Um, oh, that upsets be, me. But, Don't get me wrong. But I, I still can't yeah. overlook the people who they've got there. A lot of them who yeah. went on to go do this year's all uh, or technically they did it first. I was telling Zach about this. Uh, Everything everywhere all at once. If you like Andy Lee, like mm-hmm. I've been shouting him out here, go check him out there because he kills it. Kills it. Yeah. But I think we're happy to go with West Side Story Ecstatic, as our must-watch choreography Easily. from 2021. Yes, sir. We're going to take a break from the awards to thank the Intercuity Plus patrons, those wonderful people who are supporting our show. They are Ewan, Julieta, Garrett, Tim, Elizabeth, and Ashley. Our Academy-level members are Tushar, Cademan, Connor, and Josh. And, of course, a very big thanks to the producer-level patron known only as Awkward. Thanks again for all the support. And a reminder that you, too, can become a member at patreon.com slash intercutpod, where you can sign up for patron benefits like early access to intercut episode outlines, access to private channels on the intercut discord, and an invitation to our monthly patron Google meetings. Art, how was our Oscars debrief sesh with the patrons? Bro, a a lot tamer than how the Oscars actually went down, so I will say that. (laughs) But we got to go into the deeps. uh, uh, A lot of the stuff that we don't even cover on the show, we're able to have a nice back and forth because sometimes it's easier to actually have a live reaction, actually have a discussion as opposed to uh, seeing something in the chat get get overthrown. So uh, always really cool to hear some talks and hear some uh, behind the scenes and some criterions that y'all like y'all have the leg up on us so yeah. it's always cool to have some talks with the patrons putting some stuff on my must watch list as well absolutely i have a whole bunch of polish cinema to get through after our last patron call so uh make sure to support the show for as little as one dollar so man all the all the hamaguchi <laughs> we gotta watch uh make sure to put, contribute as little as one dollar a month and you too can join us for our patron 
Hangouts. In a little bit, we will get to Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Director, but make sure you're subscribed to the Intercut Podcast, either the video form on youtube.com slash intercutpod or the audio version available on most podcatchers. Also, follow Intercut on social media, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We are at intercutpod. That's at intercutpod. That's short for podcast. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. When you do, it makes me happier than a great acceptance speech at the Oscars. Art, do you have an all-time favorite Oscars all acceptance speech? Is it, is it too cliche to say, like, the <sighs> Cuba Gooding Jr. one where he's, he's jumping around and they're playing him off? Like, I feel like that's, that's the standard favorite acceptance speech. I'm going to go with Joe Pesci's thank you. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go with that one. It's simple. To but the point. To the point. You have one? Great. Ooh, I mean, like, obviously the Cuba one's great. Obviously the Ben Affleck, Matt Damon one is classic. Um, man, it, I, uh, you know, the funny thing is when somebody you don't want to win the Oscar wins it and gives a great speech, I think the guy who won for Imitation Game gave, like, an he awesome did, speech yes, that almost redeemed did. the fact that I didn't love that script. <laughs> when you're upset with the moment they announce the winner and then they speak and you go... <laughs> all right all right all right that moment's always really cool yeah uh, so shout out also to Warwick Sharon for their five-star review of the podcast calling us just masterful Aww. they said thank you quote the intercut podcast is my favorite movie podcast as they discuss my favorite kind of movies and movies in general in the podcast Appreciate I'm a patron and as I want to support these guys as much as possible because they are truly great strongly recommend we feel the love Thank you for that review. Appreciate it. Let's get back into the awards with our picks for best international feature. Going to run through these pretty quickly because we want to talk about a lot of them. You know, it's weird that the Academy limits this to only five films when their best picture category is now as big as 10. So let's go through our 10 picks for best international feature from 2021. Art, do you want to start? Going through my top 10 international features, I have one that's actually a hybrid, a hybrid of a hybrid. It is half doc, <laughs> half drama. Uh, it's also half American, half Mexican, considering that it is a story <laughs> of uh, a dude who's crossing the border in order to be able to have another life, but at the same time remembering who he left behind. Uh, that pick would be I Carry You With Me that premiered at Sundance a couple of years ago. Uh, another one that I have on my list is France's pick that wasn't their pick, Titan. Uh, anytime Julia's making a movie, I know that even if I don't understand it quite yet, it is an experience, uh, just like Raw was. And Raw was something that would have been in my top five of that year. But Teton makes it in my top ten, uh, alongside another filmmaker who I absolutely love. This one does have an asterisk. Zach and I were talking about this, considering that there, <laughs> it may not be a wholly original idea here. But Ugh. ironically, that goes hand in hand with this movie, Zach. This was one of the final ones that I was catching up before we got to this list. It is Iran's A Hero, a movie about... Uh, kind of taking credit for something that isn't yours surprisingly uh going <laughs> yeah. on in my list is mexico's prayers for the stolen just a beautiful movie uh, a haunting movie and one that has really good performances with a trio of actors especially for the kids um spain's parallel mothers just a fantastic way of having a very engaging movie about two mothers who may have swapped kids and then the backdrop of what the movie really ends up being about with the history of spain crazy uh, i have kosovo's mm -hmm. hive y'all know i loved this movie coming out of sundance it is one of my favorite just like 
character journeys uh, of a woman who's trying to start her own business. And uh, I loved it. I, I wish I got more honors, but it's right here in my top five list alongside Iran's There Is No Evil. I don't even want to say what the mm. premise of the movie is about because they really hit you in that first 10 minutes when you see, uh, oh, this is what we're dealing with. But it's four short stories that are combined together together. Uh, to kind of have this theme that are interconnected. But the reason he did it with four short films was because he is not allowed to make a feature in his country. He has been barred, but they allowed him to make four short films that he then combined and turned it into a feature <laughs> film. There is no evil. I believe it's streaming on Hulu. Do yourself a favor. Just just go and blink. Uh, in my top three, Compartment Number Six, a movie that's still getting mm. its roll up, but it is so worth it. I... I, I was floored by this movie. I really love it. it it's uh, it's a Finnish film about two strangers who meet on a train. I don't know. That's that's just a really good premise for a movie, man. And it just takes you places <laughs> just like they go. My top two. We all know them. Japan's Drive My Car. Uh, the three-hour... I almost want to call it an epic, even though it's the slowest paced movie it's very gentle but it is just really taking the world by storm uh it's on hbo max i hope people give it a chance to watch it and rewatch it because the details in that movie are fantastic but my number one is the worst person in the world from norway uh zach's gonna say more about that i believe it may be our collective number one to a degree so zach what's your top Probably. ten I have the other Reisuke Hamaguchi film here, Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy, a really delightful anthology, and one that people who love Drive My Car I've absolutely should not overlook. I also have the Almodovar film Parallel Mothers, a really haunting uh, and very well-acted film uh, with lots of really memorable moments and, and scenes between the different mothers in this film. Uh, um, have a little bit of a cheat, I guess, since we normally go with foreign language and international feature, but that doesn't necessarily mean... I like it. it ha- international is different from foreign language. I'm going with White Lie, the Do Canadian it. indie. The really effective film about a, a fib gone too far. Uh, I think one of the tensest movies that I saw in uh, from 2021. And number seven, I have the latest Quentin Depew buffoonish comedy mandibles buffoonery few films made me laugh as much as this movie about a couple idiots who find a giant fly uh i also have the netflix entry from italy the hand interesting. of god a okay really interesting uh coming of age story with some very very memorable scenes in my top five i have riders of justice the very effective Mads Mikkelsen revenge film. It kind of looks on its surface like it's a carbon copy of Taken, but it's much deeper and more complex than that. I have Petite Maman at number four, one of the most effective films I saw. And, you know, if we're going minute for minute, this might be the the most effective movie of the year, the latest from Celine Sciamma. I have at number three, Drive My Car. It's a little bit hard for me to even believe that I have it this low, considering how how much affection I have for this film, but it just speaks highly to the top two, which I have at number two, The Worst Person in the World, the amazing Joaquin Trier, uh, I guess millennial coming of age, post-adolescent coming of age, whatever. We're going to use Amanda's favorite term for it. Uh, But my number one is the same as uh, my number one film from our top ten lists, I have The Disciple, the Chaitanya Tamhane film that is an absolutely haunting story of a man dedicating himself to an art form that does not return the the dedication back. Beautiful picks, man. I think collectively yeah. we know the best pick is the worst person in the world. 
Yeah. Just such an effective movie. And, you know, I I guess we got to give just the honorable mention to Hamaguchi here because we both Easily. really love that film. But it, it's just a matter of choosing between two brilliant, brilliant movies. Um, so I'm very happy to give the award here to Worst Person in the World, one of the films that I think hit me closest to my heart last year. Mm-hmm. Awesome picks. And for those of you, because we know we have a global audience, send us your picks from your countries, other countries that you have seen. We're always looking forward to catching some other picks uh, that are international, because now that we have the ability to watch a bunch of stuff in streaming, it's even more accessible than ever. I'm going to run through our nominees for Best Documentary Feature a little bit quicker, because we did discuss this during our top 10 of the year lists. I have, I think my list has actually shifted a little bit since then, because it's been a Ah. couple months, but I have The Rescue, Flea, President, The Monopoly of Violence, Summer of Soul, The Velvet Underground, Try Harder, then in my top three, it's Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched, In the Same Breath, and of course, the guy Theo Anthony with All Light Everywhere at that number one spot. What do you have in your top ten for documentary? Big Doc fans here, make sure you watch The Dissidents. Shh. Billie Eilish's The World's a Little Blurry. Missed. I I didn't get it in IMAX. Assassins, which I'm still scared I saw at Sundance. Finding Ying Ying, which still breaks my heart when I think of that ending. In the Same Breath is the best COVID documentary. I don't think they've passed it, Zach. I don't. Summer of Soul, the Oscar winner that is just so much energy. Whirly Bird, a fantastic movie. Uh, Woodlands, the definitive horror retrospective. Flea, one of the greatest stories from last year. And of course, the boy Theo, all light everywhere. Yeah, I, I, I'm very happy to team up on awarding Theo Anthony an award it, here. I, this wasn't uh, even a question, I don't think, on this yeah. one. We said we we're going to go quick, and we know why we're going quick. It's the boy Theo all the way. All right, run me through your nominees for best animated feature. Definitely. My top five animated features of 2021 would begin with Bell, which really gets into this world of VR mm. uh, in this their metaverse, which is you. But it's also a really good story of a shy high schooler, Suzu, who not only becomes a global superstar uh, in this world, but also has her online persona clash with her own childhood that she's still grappling with. The next one would be CryptoZoo, the hand-drawn CryptoZoo mm. world full of crypto keepers that hunt down cryptids. Bro, this stuff, I loved this movie. I thought it was very interesting to see how they go about capturing these creatures trafficking these creatures protecting them or in what inspired the movie creating a type of disney world where there it's like an epcot of just hosting all of these uh all of these beings and i I found it to be really fascinating what i found to be extremely creepy is this movie from chile which also is my top horror Mm. film of the year the wolf house uh, all done in stop motion as it's inspired by real events where a woman is fleeing from these religious fanatics only to enter a house that's reacting to her feelings in real time it is just crazy animation it is the reason why animation is a an insane medium to be able to tell a story it's a trip put it on your radar it's on shutter my top two would be encanto i yeah, I love the movie. I, I can't say that it's the best Disney production that's ever been out there, but it's the magical family drama uh, that is told so hand-in-hand with music that Lin-Manuel needed a credit for the movie uh, in terms of writing. But my number one, Zach, you know where I've been. Mitchells versus the Machines. It embraces yeah. the awkwardness and differences of family that a lot of these movies were doing as well. This just excels it. It's jam-packed with so many Easter eggs, so many little gags, and it makes me appreciate every single frame because Sony has just been on another level with these types of movies where they're making sure that every single picture that they have doesn't look like any other animated film. My top pick is Mitchell's versus the Machines. 
My nominees for best animated feature, I have The Spine of Night at number five. Rotoscoped, epic, epic battle animation. Yeah. I have number four, Luca, a really effective tale of friendship in Italy. At number three, I have Encanto. Not my favorite from Disney, but some really wonderful sequences. At number two, I have the thrice Oscar-nominated Flea. But at number one, it's the same as yours. It's the only animated film that I felt like really spoke to me mm-hmm. from last year. It's The Mitchells versus The Machines. So a really, a really wonderful, funny, detail-oriented uh, animated film and just a really great time. I'm glad that you put a lot of the movies you had on your list, like CryptoZoo, uh, and the Wolf House there, they're not necessarily films that like I enjoyed my experience of, but I'm very I admire greatly because they're beautiful works of animation. Yes, exactly. Um, that was one of my yeah, reasons. I, think- I love Flea. I just I agreed with your early statements on Flea where the animation is the backdrop to the insane story. So in terms yeah. of the animation for Flea. It's not the best thing of that movie, uh, but in terms of the animation to a lot of these films, even as uncomfortable as they made me, I, the stuff they did is what I love to see. It's a whole new world. So really good picks, but I'm, 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 of course I'm happy to see it to go to Mitchell yeah. versus the Machines. Even at the Oscars, he was there thinking everybody with the little quilt that he had uh, of all the, uh, all the craftsmen. So. Hey guys, I'm here to talk about why Mad God deserves a nomination for Best Animated Feature. After 30 years in the making, Phil Tippett deserves so much for this magnum opus. The stop motion is so intricate and detailed. It almost looks like every single figure is made with his own sweat and body hair. And each level of hell he creates has so much world building just in the visuals. Obviously, it's too weird for the Oscars, but I really wished it got something. I'm just kidding. Clifford's Big Rug Dog should have won Best Picture. My nominee is for Best Cinematography. At number five, I have Greg Frazier for his epic work in Dune. Like with all of Denis' blockbuster work, I think they're able to give the film a really epic sense of scale without making it feel artificial, uh, which is really an achievement when we're working with films like that. Paul Thomas Anderson and Michael Bauman sharing cinematography credit on Licorice Pizza. I I, I really love uh, their work. I think... It's just really effective from moment to moment. It, I, it's just kind of has like a loose nature to it that yeah. matches the feel of the film. I have Bruno Delbanel for The Tragedy of Macbeth, a gorgeously shot black and white film. We talked about the production design earlier, but it is really accentuated by how Delbanel shoots his frames. At number two, I'm putting Janusz Kaminski's work from West Side Story. Just absolutely elegant camera work. There's no film from 2021 that equals the way that Kaminski's camera works kind of as like a character moving Mm -hmm. throughout these scenes and accentuating what the different performers are doing through these dance numbers. It's really, really strong work and the kind of work that musicals in movies has been missing. I'm almost surprising myself by not putting it number one, but I just responded so strongly to Andrew Draws Palermo's work from The Green Knight, just draping that film in all these different colors and giving this sense of suspense and dread to different moments from the way they shoot it, all the different long takes in the film. I just really, really responded to how they went about filming this pensive, you know, anxiety-ridden story. 
Beautiful picks, dude. Uh, I'm approaching mine by giving a one my one perfect shot, my one frame that really stood out to these movies that I think awesome. uh, makes it the top of the top. I like that. Starting off my five is Ari Wegner's The Power of the Dog for this dog mountain shot right here. Just beautiful imagery. For The Green Knight, Andrew Droth Palermo's The Light Hole moment where mm. it was all done practically just just beautifully done west side story with uh janus kaminsky's just beautiful shot right here with the shadows it's something that i've loved since they dropped it in the trailer uh for the tragedy of macbeth i really loved bruno Debonel's just staging for the way he was able to bring light and nothing is better than the way that the light shines in this shot right here just honestly fantastic i want this printed out but my number one's got to be greg frazier for dune and that would be every single shot in IMAX. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just epic work. And, and at that scale, too, I, I don't know what it is about the direction that Denis gives to his cinematographers. I feel like Henry. Bradford Young's work in Arrival had a lot of the same qualities where it, it both looks unreal and very real. <laughs> I don't know, man. It, it's awesome work. Um where do we where do we overlap here? I mean, I think we both had Dang, the Green was, Knight. We both had Greg Frazier. This we is both a surprising had Bruno one. It almost seems, if I'm not mistaken, that the winner for this would be the Tragedy of Macbeth, a movie where I yeah, think we both had it at number three. Honestly, yeah. You know, I had a bunch of stuff that was higher that I think has some some crazy looking shots, but I think out of all the movies here, there is not one bad shot. In Tragedy of Macbeth. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying the other ones are terrible, but you could pause it on something and it could look a little awkward. Everything is staged to perfection in the Tragedy of Macbeth. And I think rightfully so. It deserves the Intercut must-watch awards that you could stream online on Apple TV. Probably one of the best providers when it comes to making sure that you get that crispy Dolby Atmos uh, picture. Mm, that 4K. Beautiful. Hey, guys. Um, I think that French cinematographer Claire Maton's work in Spencer should have been recognized by the Academy this year. Um, her work in previous films like Petite Maman, uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, uh, is phenomenal. You can basically take a frame out of any of her films and it looks like an oil painting. So I think it's about time that she gets a nomination. It wasn't for Spencer, but hopefully it's for one in the near future. What do you have as your nominees for Best Film Editing? Ah. Love the editing awards over here. Uh, I have a slew. Uh, For Shiva Baby, I loved Hannah Park's work and the way that she was able to really bring in all that tension in the movie as it's all taking place at a Shiva. At number four, dude, it was Mm. in the name. Zack Snyder's Justice League, a literal movie where we were waiting for a cut, uh, showcasing that you can make something longer. And everybody embraced it a lot more. Surprised the heck out of me. But that's Zack Snyder. He makes ultimate cuts that I, I, I personally... Think flesh out his stories a bit better. And hey, that Snyder Cut, finally out there. I have to recognize it. At number three, Zola. Joy McMillan has has edited mm. Moonlight, Beale Street, Underground Railroad. She even did uh, Bravo's first film uh, or previous film, Lemon. Killed it with Zola. And, and you, you and I agree that we still feel we want more of an ending. But nonetheless, the pacing, the editing in this movie, uh, she did a fantastic job with it. My top two, totally. Joshua L. Pearson for Summer of Soul a documentary Mm. that is edited to perfection as it covers the Harlem Cultural Festival. Beautiful job with it. Uh, Disney released the clips. Stop claiming them. But my number one, all done through with them, Joe Walker's for Dune. Very cool. Very cool. 
my nominees for Best Film Editing. I'm starting off with Michael Kahn and Sarah Brochar for their work on West Side Story, you know, helping to accentuate the rhythms of those films and, and cutting to the uh, performances. I mean, I think it's aided by how much St- Spielberg is obviously storyboarding this mm-hmm. stuff, but it's all effectively put together. I also have Tom Cross and Elliot Graham for their work on No Time to Die. I think it's really excellent uh, in terms of pacing the different scenes, in terms of building tension, th- those final moments where they, they really get you to feel emotional for this character who's often been so unhurtable. So Cold, I, yeah. I think No Time to Die is really, really strong. I have Andy Jurgensen for his work on Licorice Pizza, even though that's kind of like an, an episodic film. Just it has a rhythm to it that really yeah. works for me. Good pace. I really liked Jennifer Vec- Vecchiarello's work from Come On, Come On, another film that sort of just skates from moment to moment. It doesn't really feel like new scenes announce themselves. They just bleed into one another. And I really like that approach to a film. Uh, but my number one for film editing is Olivia Bougoute, uh, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, from The Worst Person in the Damn. World, a film that just moves. I mean, going going through all these different chapters, going through all these different moments in her life, I think it does a really cool thing where the film will go very quickly and then it'll slow in moments, and it just it holds on all the moments you need it to. So it was extremely effectively edited for me, and it's the editing that stuck out for the year for me, just the the whole opening prologue is just mm-hmm. so uh, briskly paced. It's so strong. And I think it's some of the best editing I've seen in the last year. Dude, these are some dope picks. Every single one. Yeah, Ten man. different uh, editing jobs done here. I, I love it. I love the diversity that we've got in this list. Every single one done for, uh, you know, a different approach. I, I think we got ourselves mm-hmm. another time, man. I, I stand by my Joe Walker editing in Dune with the rhythm and the pace that they were able to do, especially with those time sequences in uh, mm-hmm. when he does the voice and not realizing that you've been manipulated before it happens. I think the editing is going to be even more profound when we get part two mm. and we see what was actually done. But, bro. I, yeah, there's some pretty cool dude, stuff in Dune. Worst person in the world is, yeah, I, I would add here. I, I don't know what I would take out from my list, but that's a pick where, yes, I, I underestimated yeah. the editing on that 100%. You know, the one that you have here that I, I actually kind of wish I threw on mine too. Zack Snyder's Justice League. That's Zack a, Snyder's Justice League, I know. <laughs> that's a movie that needs more editing. But Zola is really <laughs> effective and, and surprising yes. with its edits too. Um, that's a really good that pick sequ- there. That sequence at the motel with the ball. Mm. I don't know why that's been engraved in my head the same way that it is for her. I, I don't know. It really like puts you in the backseat of the car. Yeah. Uh, I'm happy to give this a, to a tie between Worst Person in the World and Dune because those are also two very like different styles of films. Too, yes. So it's a, a pretty interesting contrast there. Yay, editing. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So our must-watch film editing from 2021, Dune and the Worst Person in the World. Beautiful. My nominees for the Best Original Screenplay from 2021 are Justine Bateman for Violet for essentially turning a therapy session into a screenplay yes. uh, and making – Someone's brain, the antagonist, really cool stuff there. I have Ed Solomon for No Sudden Move, a period heist nice. film that has kind of a lot to say, actually. I, I think there's 
more to be said about that script than people maybe gave it credit for. So I, I really like want to rewatch uh, it. No man. Sudden okay. Yeah, man, it's really good stuff. Paul Thomas Anderson for Licorice Pizza. I think few few people are as good at crafting interesting characters as he is, and there's so many just interesting scenes in that film. I, one of my favorite screenplays from screenplays from last year. At number two, I have Fran Kranz's work from Mass way overlooked in award season. And maybe it's because people think this is better suited for the stage, but I think it's extremely effective as a movie. I think the script is very emotionally intelligent and beautifully paced. Great work there. But again, I'm going with the worst person in the world as my number one. I think Joaquin Trier's script is just so beautifully written and there's so many moments and lines that are burned into my brain i agree man really good picks i was uh also taking into consideration what i felt was the most just original on paper stuff even when some of the movies i thought were pretty good but not fantastic i saw so much potential in these scripts and it's ideas that have been ruminating in my head uh such as prano bailey bonds and anthony fletcher's script for censor mm. one of my most anticipated mm. movies from that festival i believe it was sundance uh where it's yeah. based on the video nasties of the 80s and it follows a film censor who cuts out all the violent images in movies um and then it starts bleeding into her life as she's searching for her sister who went missing when she was a child censor just fascinating idea right there and a really good script uh i agreed with you i i was teeter-tottering what i was going to do with this movie i saw you had it on your original screenplay and i was like it is it really is justine bateman's script for violet is we love the movie and this is probably the best part of the movie it puts you in the mind uh in the mind of a film executive who's struggling to like make any decision because she's doused Mm -hmm. in fear and doubt uh, and that's all brought to life with a voice in her head that's done by Justin Thoreau Uh, a really good script I really enjoy that movie hey this is a movie I know not a lot of people liked I don't care Ben David Grabinski's script for Happily it's a dark romantic comedy that I think does a lot to some people it does a lot but I think what it, what, it, what it is at its center is this like teen couple drama where everybody has that group mm-hmm. of friends. And we all know something about the other person that, that maybe two of you know, but the other people don't. This is the movie where yeah. everything gets revealed. And I, I don't know. I really enjoyed that scene. I loved all the buildup to it and all the different tones that it had. Ah, I like it. It's my pick. Happily. My top ones, though would be Shatara Michelle Ford's script for Test Pattern. It's a psychological Ooh. drama uh, at its surface. It is just about a couple who's going from hospital to hospital to get an essay kit. Like, that's the premise. What it's really, where it really builds is in that relationship and in the power dynamics between the two. Um, I, yeah, this is one of the best scripts. I want to read this script. Mm. My number two of the year, Test Pattern. My number one goes with you, man. The worst person in the world, Escale Voigt, Joaquin Trier, a dramedy about the meaning of life. I think it was you who said this. It's Amelie from Millennials. <laughs> beautiful way to put it beautiful way to put it i don't see how we can't give it to anything else but the worst person in the world i'm so glad that you had test pattern on your list that is one of my favorite films from 2021 and i I just was struggling to find it to find it a place in some of these categories because i think some of its work is so subtle that you don't necessarily even like think about it for for certain categories but it is a beautifully written script so shout out to shatara michelle ford but I'm, I'm happy to go with Worst Person in the World here. Just one of the best scripts I've seen in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, 
only really rivaled by what's going on in the adapted screenplay category. I'll, I'll run through some of my... Or we'll, first, we'll say that our must-watch original screenplay from 2021 is Worst Person in the World. But let's talk about the best adapted screenplays, too. Here are my nominees for that category. I have Jane Campion's work from The Power of the Dog, an enigmatic work that doesn't reveal itself until later on. I have The Last Duel from Affleck, Damon, and Hall of Center, a Rashomonic tale of hubris and men who are not shit, despite thinking it. Uh, I really thought this one was a, a very effective script and surprisingly funny, too. Um, I have Tony Kushner's work for West Side Story. I think this is underrated work in adapting a, a play and a film that had some problem at, problematic elements and doing it in a way that modernizes it without making it feel like they're trying to modernize it. It just sort of recontextualizes things in a very effective way. At number two, I have Stephen Karam's The Humans based on his own Tony nominated or winning play. Uh, but the script in the film is just so, so haunting. The dialogue between these people just eats at you and gets under your skin. And uh, it, it's just a very effectively written film about this disconnection between the family. For me, though, I think easily my number one is Raisuke Hamaguchi and Takamasa Oe's work for Drive My Car, just a beautifully written film about trauma and loss and language and communication. Mm -hmm. There's so much contained within that script, partially because it is three hours long, but it earns it because the film is so beautifully written. Um, one of the best screenplays that I've seen in a while that it's able to hold your attention in that way without being a very splashy movie. It just connects you emotionally to all these different people. My picks for the best adapted screenplays of this year would be Zola, the one based on tweets by Isaiah King. Yeah. I uh, love the way they was able to bring that to life. Gets my number five slot. I really, really, really liked uh, Rebecca Hall's adaptation to Nella Larson's novel, uh, Passing. Uh, yeah. Beautifully done, beautifully told in black and white. Thought it was very effective. Such as David Lowry's The Green Knight, which you know, I don't know who originally did this. Some uh, old-ass poet, but he adapted that. Uh, did a beautiful job with the themes of uh, not just knighthood, but time. And uh, I just thought it was very well done. But my top two, like you said, you said everything needed to be said about Drive My Car. I just think it's crazy that it's a three-hour movie and it's based off a short story. Love it. But my number one is Jane Campion's adaptation to Thomas Savage's novel, The Power of the Dog. Just floored me. I, I read the book and it's just very interesting to see mm. what she kept, what she didn't, and even what the actors were able to infer and add to their characters that they didn't even tell Jane about. Uh, I loved it. My favorite script of the year. It's an excellent script, one that I think is really rewarding on the revisit as well. Um, I'm still, I still feel like our collective here is the Japanese film Drive, Drive My, My Car. Car. Rightfully so. Yeah. Shouts to Hamaguchi. What a beautifully written film. Let's talk about our must-watch supporting performances from 2021. The acting that has stuck with us throughout the year. I have... Ruth Nega for passing. After all these years, what would it matter if you found out that I was one or two percent colored, hmm? Well, you can turn as black as you please as far as I'm concerned. I know you're not colored. <clears throat> Troy Kotzer for Coda. You're all 
Jeffrey Wright for the French Dispatch. Maybe with good luck, we'll find what eluded us in the places we once called home. Catherine Hunter for the tragedy of Macbeth. A drum. Macbeth did come. Aye. In a sieve I'll do the sail. And like a rat without a tail, I'll do, I'll do, and I'll do. Anders Danielson lie for the worst person in the world. Jag ser bara gamla filmer jag liker om henne. Alltså Lynch och Gudfar 2. Jo men alltså många gånger ska man se Dog Day Afternoon. Många gånger? Okej. Ja. Det ska man. Ben Affleck for The Last Duel. I know he is stubborn. Yes. Stubborn, difficult, jealous, rash, yes. dim-witted, irascible. Yes, yes, I know, my lord. Stupid. Does not exactly yield his rents on time. But I count him as a friend. <sighs> he disobeyed me and let Limoges fall. And Dowd for mass. We believed we were good parents. And in some awful, confusing way, we still do. Isn't it worse that I thought I was a good mother? I love my children. Other parents, I wasn't so different. How did I do things so differently? Ariana DeBose for West Side Story. No, gracias. Yo no soy americana. Yo soy puertorriqueña. Mike Feist for West Side Story. Let's say we visit the head. We'll powwow friendly like you, me, and my troublemaking buddy here. And Jane Hodyshell for The Humans. My bosses are... I'm an office manager, Rich. I've been with the same company since right out of high school. Ooh. The whole place fall apart without her. Yeah, well, my salary doesn't reflect that. <laughs> These new kids they've hired. They're now working for two more guys in their 20s. I don't even want to talk about it. Wow, a wild Ben Affleck has appeared in the chat. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, really good pick, Zach. And it's going to be interesting to see what ends up in our top over here. But as I begin my top supporting performances of 2021, I have Harriet Sansom Harris for Licorice Pizza. You come here trying to be all pretty for me. But really, you remind me of a dog. Of an English pit bulldog with sex appeal and a very Jewish nose. <laughs> Jeffrey Wright for the French Dispatch. Who, what, where, when, how, valid questions. But I learned as a cub stringer, never under any circumstance, if it is remotely within your power to resist the impulse, never ask a man why. Catherine Hunter for the tragedy of Macbeth. Double, double, toil and trouble, fire burn, and cauldron bubble. Cole Min Domingo for Zola. What's this for? Respect. So I can go home now? Nah. <laughs> I'm gonna need you to do what you did last night. Ruth Nega for passing. And I don't blame you for being angry, Rennie. You acted beautifully that day, really beautifully. Thank you. 
I don't want thanks. I just mean that it was very kind of you to be so delicate about it. What other option did I have, Claire? Mike Feist for West Side Story. The river. The docks. The underpass. The rail yards. The salt shed. Donde? De donde esta 57th in the river. Anders Danielson Lee for the worst person in the world. Martha Plimpton for Mass. Tell me about your son. What would you like to know? Everything. I want to know everything. Why? Why do I want to know about your son? Because he killed mine. Cody Smith-McPhee for The Power of the Dog. You had a great many Valentines. A great many? Because you're beautiful. Is there a sound that makes you shiver? I don't remember. And my number one pick is Ariana DeVos for West Side Story. This is about family. I'm so pleasantly surprised to see all the ways in which we overlap, especially right? with the performances that aren't necessarily getting the love that we think they should. Guys like, or people like Jeffrey Wright and Catherine Hunter. Yeah, this is good, man. Um, I, I love that we each have a different one of the women from Mass on our list, but everybody right? is really so cool. good in Mass. Yeah. I'm Team Martha all the way on that one. Yeah. But I think we both have the West Side Story duo as the supporting performances that really struck us this year. Yeah. Surprisingly, uh, Mike Feist was one that I had to cut out my boy Barry Keough from this list because uh, you had reminded me that, hey, Mike Feist did kill that movie. Uh, So, yeah, I am glad to give it to our West Side duo. All right, so our must-watch supporting performances from 2021 are Ariana DeBose and Mike Feist from West Beautiful. Side Story. All right, what are your must-watch lead performances from 2021? Oh, we had so many good stuff this year. Let me break down the performances that stood out to me. Clifton Collins Jr. for Jockey. Take a look. I mean, how many times have you broken your back? I don't know. Three, I think. I'm sorry, Jackson. No, it's not your fault. There you go. No, that's fine. Don't worry about it. Casey Roll for White Lie. I'm not well, and this place could actually save me. I wouldn't be here asking you if it wasn't really important. No, I can't loan you the money. And frankly, I'm not sure I would if I had it. What do you mean? I don't believe you. Denzel Washington for the tragedy of Macbeth. There is no flying hedge, nor carrying here. Ring the alarm bell. Blow the wind. Come back. Penelope Cruz for Parallel Mothers. Nicholas Cage for a pig. The critics aren't real. The customers aren't real. <laughs> okay. Derek, why do you care about these people? They don't care about you. None of them. 
They don't even know you. Yokogashi for Hive. Neve nuk na vyn ndimat as fundet. Neve na vyn puna. A nuk peshet jas njona nuk jena mira. Jam to dosh menis ni pun me kred grati krushes. Me maru ai var per meshik. Simon Rex for Red Rocket. Yeah, my parents came home one night. Y'all were humping in their bedroom. You jumped out the window naked. They called the cops on you and everything. Yep, yep. Now I remember. Oh shit, your mother hates me. Uh, well, I mean, she hated you, man. Uh, yeah, she died. Oh, damn. Sorry to hear that. Kristen Stewart for Spencer. It seems they're circling just me. Not you. Just me. The thing is, Diana, there has to be two of you. Renat Rensvi for the worst person in the world. Well, I had to for Julia. Det är Ivan. Ivan. Inte så det. Och vilka det? För att bara finna det på Facebook och så. Ja ja ja. Det är lurt. Okej. Okej. Håll det. Håll det. And my favorite performance of the year. I don't care who thinks it's over the top. Andrew Garfield for Tick Tick Boom. Yes. <laughs> That's great news. Everyone is telling me the same thing. That Jonathan Lawson. I can't wait to see what he does next. What do you mean? Uh, what I do next? What about Superbia? I always told you it was a tough sell. It's too oddy for Broadway. Tourists aren't gonna shell out fifty dollars to see a show about spaceships and robots. Um, well, that's that's not what it's about. My picks for the best per- lead performances from 2021 are Will Smith in King Richard. Okay, Mr. Williams, Wait, no, this is really on, not necessary. Hold on. You want to check on the kids? Let's check on the kids. We got future doctors and lawyers, plus a couple tennis stars in this house. Penelope Cruz for Parallel Mothers. Hablar de somos madres solteras. Lo mío fue un accidente, pero estoy tan contenta. Lo mío también fue un accidente. Yo no me arrepiento, eh? Isabel Furman for The Novice. Some of us have lives. Your mistake is that you always stick to what you're good at. Rachel Sennett for Shiva Baby. Yeah. Oh, mama, I can't eat that. Why not? I'm vegetarian. You're killing me. I've told you it so many times. You have not eaten a single thing all day. That's because we just got here. You look like Gwyneth Paltrow on food stamps. Oh my God. And not in a good way. Joaquin Phoenix for Come On, Come On. We still love each other, but find it hard to express that love to each other and so then you look at each other and you do this denzel washington for the tragedy of macbeth tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in this petty pace from day to day to the last simon rex for red rocket can you get off the property please what, 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 why what are you gonna fucking do really what, you're you gonna, want, gonna, oh you really, want me to call the act- cops I'll call the cops. Don't, don't. No, I'm you. calling the cops. Ten, oh. nine, eight, God. seven, faster. I'm technically off the property, so you can't call the cops because I'm on public land respecting your boundaries. Hitatoshi Nishijima for Drive My Car. Kimi 
Alana Heim for Licorice Pizza. Alana doesn't have her life together. Alana brings home stupid boyfriends all the time. I mean... I knew it. I knew that was what you were thinking. You're always thinking things, you thinker. You thinker, you think things. And Renate Renzive for Worst Person in the World. Yeah, I love you. But I love you Again, we have some more overlap than I was expecting, especially yeah. in some of our favorite stuff here uh, with Simon Rex and Renate, I think, as the top biggest two. overlap that we have on our list. Although we both have some love for Penelope Cruz and some love for Denzel Washington. Mm -hmm. Easily. I think uh, we had an array of leading performances this year that I think were fantastic uh, and even when you get into the international categories like this is a list that could have gone to 15 this is a list that could have gone to 20 uh, but just compiling these I, I, I love that you had Isabel Furman for The Novice that was that was a movie that was in a lot of my honorable mentions right in, in a lot of these categories that didn't just make the list right away I really like the script on that one as well uh, shout out Rachel Sennett for Shiva Baby I, I had so many good performances here but of course I would have had her in my top 15 but yo Simon Rex the actual worst person in the world, and then Renata uh, for actually worst person in the world, I think are standout performances to have this year, and I'm glad to have them as the intercut must-watch performances of 2021. Hey, Art and Zach. Um, I thought that I could not get to, to this year's Oscars without talking of Kristen Stewart's performance in Spencer. I was just thoroughly mesmerized by the performance. Uh, there's this one moment when she jerks her arm off uh, when in protest of her husband there's this dining table scene I was thoroughly taken by that scene I wish her the win and she's the winner for me Art, what are your nominees for the best director from 2021? Oh man, look another year where we had so many good visions I'm gonna begin with Danny Villeneuve's Dude Steven Spielberg for West Side Story, meticulous choreography for a musical that he dedicated to his father. Uh, mm. Julia Dugernau for Titan, truly a multi-genre piece that I guess a lot of people would see as a body horror drama. But uh, yeah, no, the stuff that she does is always above and beyond. And I'm always excited to see her new movie, even if I'm not ready for it. My number <laughs> two, though, I had to do it, man. Theo Anthony for all light everywhere. The way that he approaches documentaries is something that you and I have seen uh, some recent docs and attribute it to be like, damn, that's something Theo Anthony would do. And that's when I realized that I really love this man's direction and the way that he was able to go through the history of surveillance, how it can affect communities, how it can be weaponized and even warp our memories is insane. Watch the movie, watch his shorts. That's a, that's a doc filmmaker right there. But my number one, for the power of the dog is Jane Campion. Everything they taught you in film school about directing, this woman has an entire Netflix making of series pitching you the opposite. <laughs> and it's fantastic. I love her approach to actors. I love her approach to just the way she was able to build this setting, the way she was able to adapt those Western themes. And without a doubt, um, I truly believe that Jane Campion's work in The Power of the Dog was the best direction of last year. My nominees for Best Director for 2021 are... Denis Villeneuve for Dune, epic blockbuster filmmaking done like nobody else. Steven Spielberg for West Side Story for bringing blocking back to the movie musical. We should all thank him. 
Ryosuke Hamaguchi for Drive My Car, a film that's not showy in its production, but it's hard to think of many people who could thread that needle of getting you to be completely entranced in this story for that duration uh, and, and by, by, by nailing the tone in a perfect way mm-hmm. uh, to give you the kind of emotional journey you need there. David Lowry for his pensive, anxious work in The Green Knight, marrying the epic scale of A Knight's Journey with the internal struggle of a much more indie production. I think it's a beautiful mix of the things that we know he can do well. But my number one pick for best director is Chaitanya Tamhane for his work on The Disciple, a mesmerizing, wonderful film that I think has been vastly overlooked but it's working in so many beautiful levels from how it's shot to how it sounds to the story it's telling and the acting i think it's a complete film and an excellent achievement in cinema beautiful i think looking at it has to go to the the one and only five got the gotta go to the one and only man steven spielberg for west side story i mean no other director has had images from behind the scenes that have been shared and memefied to death and hopefully reminds people that, yes, it all starts in that pre-production, which, again, all of our mm-hmm. favorite directors on this list have done. But I don't know anyone who does it like Steven does, man. There's a reason yeah. why, why his name is practically a verb now. <laughs> exactly. Everybody else take notes. Spielberg's the goat. All right. He's our must-watch director from 2021. <laughs> Keep an eye out for the man. He's got a future. <laughs> We can call it a career achievement. Something I mean, like he's earned it. After, and it's the best film he's made in, I feel like, 20 years. In a minute, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Hey, guys, so my pick is going to be Julia Ducanal for Best Director for Titan. I think she directed the hell out of that film. And that movie is just truly stunning. I believe it's my favorite film of 2021. So I believe that she deserved a direction nod for what she did with that film. But thank you, guys. Um, loving the podcast as always keep up great work before we get to our best picture we're going to talk about the up-and-comers from 2021 these are the names that are new to us or relatively new to us that have put themselves on the map with their work in 2021 art who are some of the names that we have selected here um i'm gonna start with el planeta this is a movie that's streaming right now on hbo max that uh premiered at sundance and i wasn't really looking forward to it and it ended up being one of my favorites of the year that i have to give it a mention here uh specifically for amalia ulman who is a director and also the actress and is starring alongside a real life mother as they play a mother-daughter duo just trying to make it by in spain I am keeping my eye out on her for the next thing she directs or stars in. I really like her approach to the movie, and I would highly recommend putting it on your radar. Uh, another person that I think we wanted to highlight here is the duo from Shiva yep. Baby of Emma Seligman and Rachel Sennett for their work in just making this anxiety-invoking, in- claustrophobic family reunion awkward comedy. It- it's so so precisely crafted and feels so confident in its approach that you know that there's going to be a lot more uh, strong work coming from that a voice. miniseries. So both Emma Seligman for her work in putting together the film and Rachel Sennett for her work in bringing it to life, I think are firmly on our radar now. 
I'm going to keep it to the duos. We had mentioned Zola several times. It needs to get another mention here. It's not Janiza Bravo's first film, but it's probably the biggest one that she has made putting her out there, uh, as well as Taylor Page. When we caught her in this movie, we knew, damn, she's going to be a star. She's had a mm-hmm. lot of supporting roles, but you know, this is a movie that I wish had a theatrical release when a lot of people are going into the theaters. I think it would have done some crazy numbers. It would have been a, a, a big cultural uh push right there just the same way that the uh, the threads for the tweet were uh but that duo definitely put them on your radar they have a very distinct style and a lot of talent zola i'm gonna give a shout out as well to to together together's patty harrison she also recently appeared in the lost city so she is a comedic voice on the rise absolutely hilarious has some of my favorite sketches in one of our favorite sketch shows i think you should leave but seeing her seeing her grow into a film presence has been really that's exciting, cool. and I think we all want to see uh, that continue to blossom. That's crazy to think that that's her first lead, man. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope she gets more supporting roles, but definitely more lead roles as well. Uh, I'm going to wrap it with Prayers for the Stolen for the director Tatiana Hueso and the trio of actresses who played the young girls, in particular Anna, who's the lead. Um, I thought they did a fantastic job with this movie. It even stars the main actor from one the 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 boy from uh uh what's it called non-identifying features um so Mm -hmm. like (laughs) they're representing mexico to a a very high degree it was in my top picks for international film and i want to make sure that they're on the radar as the up-and-comers the team from prayers for the stolen Excellent. And then I know uh, we had a little mention for Sam Richardson here. Have might to, be man. a little bit more familiar to exactly. TV audiences from, from Veep, the Detroiters, but he's really blown up into a movie star over the past year. Uh, you have Werewolves for Within, The Tomorrow War, even his role in Promising Young Woman here. So uh, it's very exciting to see him continue to blow up because he's such an uh, affable presence in film. Yep. All right, let's get into the let's. best Pictures, the must-watch movies from 2021. On my list, I have No Sudden Move, The Disciple, The Last Duel, Dune, West Side Story, Licorice Pizza, Come On, Come On, Drive My Car, The Green Knight, and The Worst Person in the World. Solid picks, man. What a year of movies. For my must-watch picks, I have Drive My Car, The Green Knight, The Worst Person in the World, Mitchells versus the Machines, mm. The Killing of Two Lovers, Compartment Number 6, All Light Everywhere, Tick, Tick, Boom, Dune, and my number one pick, The Power of the dog solid solid year of movies you can't say there isn't a, stuff out there it it, it was a, a deep stacked roster year. stacked yeah, year. very stacked year and yeah man i mean there's a lot of films that i thought are pretty brilliant works uh, a lot more contemplative stuff than i mm-hmm. feel like i normally put on my best picture list but I'll, you know stuff that's really rewarding to pick apart and rewatch and analyze so much that I love. Um, I'm glad that you put in some indie picks here with Killing of Two Lovers and uh, Compartment Number Six. I'm glad that you got some love to documentary with All Light Everywhere and animation with Mitchell's versus the Machines. Um, but I feel like where we overlap most is probably with The Worst Person in the World or The Green Knight, which I had at number one and number two, but you have 
further down your list. Mm-hmm. We also have Dune there coming with a collective nine True. together and worst person in the world. I mean, I, I feel like we've had a couple ties for Dune and worst person in the world. To me, those are the two movies that you and I have discussed the most on this channel. It, it, Absolutely. It's just indicative of the, the passion for, the, for these two movies that we've had for a long time. I think you have a solid top 10 list. I love my 10 list. I, I, I own practically every single one of these movies, except for one, which is Worst Person in the World. So I am good with making it Worst Person in the World. I'm good with making it Dune and the runner-up be worst. Uh, to me, those are the top two picks of the year. Very drastically different films. I leave it to you, man. Oof, man. That's tough. They're so different. And I'm, I'm almost inclined to to go for a tie. But do we, is that... Is that an anticlimactic way to end the first intercut awards? Is with a with a tie? Uh, I guess. <laughs> do we have to do we have to leave it to the inner cuties to vote? Should it be Dune or worst person in the world? You know, it's only fair that we are not the ones who decide everything on the show, and that if yeah. our collective one has come down to the worst person in the world in Dune. I'm a person that when they say you got to go to an island, you can only take one DVD. I'm putting both discs in one box, and I'd be bringing <laughs> both of these with me. Scratches be damned. So as our top picks being doing the worst person in the world, we live it to the intercuties. Probably even put a poll to discuss what is the best film out of those two. But even more than that, out of all the selections that we've had here, out of every single category, what are your picks for those? What are the must-watch yes. performances that we did not give a mention to that should be on our radar? What are the categories that we didn't have on this video mm. that you think should be honored, that you think should be uh, given more of a presence to? Uh, I thought it was a fantastic year in movies. I think the best part of the year has been just the ability from the film festivals to our weekly most watches is being able to discuss every single one of these movies at the end of it. Cause uh, I think you agree a lot like me. I'm not a big ratings guy. I'm not even a big awards guy. I just love putting those movies on your radar. So you know what it is. Yep. I was the one who was telling Zach, I was like, Zach, let's make it 10 international. Zach, let's make it 10 docs. <laughs> Our whole purpose for creating Intrica is to talk movies with you guys and to make sure that we put movies on your radar. It's not to say mm-hmm. that, what we deem number one is the only one you should be catching. If it was mentioned in this video, we believe you should watch it. Yeah, I mean, the fun of awards for me has always been not the competition between different movies, but the chance to celebrate some of these great films, some of the great people behind them. I mean, if you're not using it as an opportunity to get excited about all the awesome art that's out there, then I think you're doing awards wrong. So hopefully we, we did it. We, we did it we some did it justice here and we've put some films on your radar or awarded some films that you already love. As Art said, please let us know what categories you'd add, what nominees you'd add, what winners you'd have. And thank you to all of you who've sent in your submissions with clips, with picks, with winners. It really helped and I think hopefully made this video even more fun for all of you. Uh, but I think that's about all for this week's installment of yep. Intercut. You can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxd at ZShevich. And check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash multiplex show. Art, where can people catch more from you? You can find me over at Let Me Explain on Twitter, on YouTube, on Letterboxd. But you can catch me every week here talking about movies on the Intercut Podcast. 
You can catch every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, your favorite podcast or whatever. I like Overcast. And then make sure you're subscribed not just to the audio feed but to the video feed as well on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash intercutpod, where you can watch our bright smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment. Find new episodes of the Intercut Podcast every Monday when we do our weekend must-watch. And please leave new leave us a comment, like the video, and consider heading over to iTunes to give us that much-requested five-star review. Shout-out to our listeners in Kazakhstan for putting nice. us on the TV and film podcast charts out there. I, I want to make a Borat joke, but I'm worried <laughs> that would be offensive. Like our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. Support our Patreon. All of them are at Intercut Pod to get updates throughout the week from art from me, from all the guests that we feature here on Intercut. Thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, remember, it's an honor just to be nominated. <laughs> <laughs>